You're right at the fork. This is Chris Angeles. And today, we're actually going to go east and take a left at the fork and get out to talk to Lynn Curry, who's opening the Lostine Tavern. She's also been very prolific in the grass-fed beef movement. As uh, She's a writer. Uh, has uh, She'll talk about her book. She'll talk about some of her articles. You can certainly visit, read her blogs on the subject. Um, and we'll dig a little deeper today into the opening of her restaurant, which will feature a lot of the local producers in the Wallowa Valley region, one of my favorite places in Oregon. And if you haven't been there, you need to visit. But a nice start is to listen to Lynn talk about it. Hello. Hello, Lynn. Hello, Chris. I'll tell you what, it's this is our first remote podcast, remotely done pro- podcast with a guest, and I'd much rather be out there. I wish you were here. You should see the day. I'm you sure want to be here, and you, we want, we would go morel hunting, and then we would go have a beer on the deck at Embers and look at the mountains. I'm going to, and I'm I really mean this because I get out there as often as I possibly can. Uh, I'm going to take a rain check on that, and I'm going to call you on <laughs> it. So okay. I would lo- I would love to have that experience because um, I love you. I love the Wallawas. Um You know, I discovered. I moved here in 2005, discovered the coast, went down to Bend, Crater Lake, all around Portland, and then one day someone told me I should come out that way, and I'm driving, you drive, and you're coming down into the valley, and all of a sudden you say, wow, now there's this. Yes. Actually, there's a Nez Perce word, I understand, for that moment when you catch the first view of the Wallawas and you just sort of take your breath in, and it's called Tamaslix. What's it called? Tamaslix. Tamaslix. And how do you spell that? Well, it's got some accents in Nez Perce, but it's T-A-M-A-S-T-L-I-K-T. And it is the same term they use for their gathering, which we colloquially would call a powwow, every July on their native gathering grounds in the town of Wallawa. Wow. You know, the first time I asked, uh, the first time I came around, I went the south route and went through, um, snake, uh, uh, what's the, the park up there? It looks down on the snake river. The, um, the Hell's Canyon over there? Hell's Canyon, Coming yes, to, I'm sorry. Coming yes. So right. way yeah. up, way up there, and then I came back down around into Joseph, and I'm driving with the mountains on my left, as opposed mm-hmm. to the way I came in, and it was just ext- just breathtaking on a beautiful summer day. So I just recently uh, encouraged my brother to uh, hit Joseph um, uh, as he was driving up from Arizona to Oregon, and they had, what was that experience again? One more time. Tomaslip. Yes, they have Tomaslip. So anyway, thanks for uh, <laughs> <laughs> now that we've got that out of the way. You're in a beautiful area, absolutely beautiful area. So that's been established. You're uh, <laughs> opening uh, a new restaurant and tavern. And when's that opening? Or when has we it are, opened, depending on when this podcast hits the air? Correct. We are opening in the earliest part of June we can possibly manage. And so how long have you been working on it? 
we've been working on this business plan for a year and a half. And then uh, my business partner purchased the tavern a year ago, pretty much to this date, um, when we learned that um, basically the tavern had been closed since January of 2013. So it had only been closed for a few months. So really the business idea and this concept of highlighting local food from the Wallowa Valley and the Wallowa region came before the building, but the building such an awesome fit because it's a landmark historic building. It's always been a gathering place. So we're getting to combine our passion for local food with the community love of, of the LT as it's known, the Lostine Tavern. And that's, uh, it wasn't called the Lostine Tavern. This is, this, this Lostine space is going to be uh, is now. It actually has been the Losting Tavern since the 1940s. Okay, so, so you're we just did not change the name. It's in the town of Losting, which is um, a lot of people call it uh, Losting when they see it uh, spelled out, but it is L-O-S-T-I-N-E, and so we're saying find yourself at the Losting Tavern. And is that's the little town that has the little flea market on the weekends going on up and down the side of the road? The July 4th weekend, they have a big flea market. Right. And the other significant thing about the town of Lostine is that it has a 110-plus-year mercantile that was recently purchased by a furniture designer who grew up here named Tyler Hayes. So he's doing all kinds of groovy things in the M. Crow and company just up the street. And he's going to be uh, brewing some beer and keeping some bees. So, yeah, Lostine is kind of happening right now we're happy to be a part of it so you've been there for years so i'm guessing mm -hmm. you pretty much know every single human being and maybe even every <laughs> animal in the area that is great one of the best parts <laughs> of living here is that and well maybe it it's a testimony to my hermit existence as pretty predominantly a writer for the past 13 years know that i still meet the most amazing people i mean we're kind of spread far and wide so if you can picture the wallowa valley or the wallowa county is it's ge geographically about the size of the state of rhode island and we have 7000 people so we're pretty dispersed throughout and then there's like 22000 mother cows so three times as many cattle as people um, they're still great people to meet and new people moving here. You know, they're just pioneers coming to discover this place all the time. I've only been there in the summertime. I haven't yet braved a winter out there. I've stayed at uh, both Barking Mad Farm, really enjoyed that. And then last summer, uh, and I, I met some great people who are the innkeepers and the people who own it up at uh, Rimrock. Um, which was, uh, I stayed in a teepee, spectacular experience. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And just so that we don't assume that everyone mm -hmm. is, uh, knows rudimentary geography, the Wallawas are at the far northeast corner of Oregon and uh, about six hours from Portland, five, six hours, depending on whether you drive like me or you drive like a Portlander to get there. <laughs> and I always recommend that people... Uh, actually, last July 4th, when I saw that little flea market, uh, was the first time I left at four in the afternoon from Portland, drove through the gorge on a beautiful summer afternoon with the sun behind me, and the gorge took on a look that I'd never seen before at that hour, and then just made my way to Pendleton, and then the next morning got up and drove through that whole region to get to Joseph, and it was just a fantastic way to make the trip itself an adventure before I even got there. 
Well, that is certainly true about living here and coming here. You know, the journey is definitely part of the experience and what you see along the way. You took some amazing photos on your blog post. I was really in, stunned by them. Oh, I'm glad. Thank you. I appreciate it. I do that just really for the love of the region, honestly, and, and also for the love of my dog. <laughs> there are a lot of puppy shots. Yeah, there are. I'm sorry I can't avoid them, and he's usually the one with me. So uh, much better than selfies, I'll say that. But um, uh, there's, you know, every time I go, I'm always exploring a new area there. Food-wise, you know, I, I can't say that it's a, it's been a culinary trip. Uh, certainly there's terminal gravity. What are some of the – what are some of the – other than Lostine Tavern, that's the first place that people are going to want to stop. But so, what are your, some of your favorite places out there? Well, you mentioned one of them. The Rim Rock Inn is, um, I know Becky and Ron Hustetter are good friends of mine, and I helped them actually with their opening menu because they really wanted to feature some of the local product. And I think part of what you experience on a culinary level in Wallowa County is this combination of good food with stunning settings. Like at the Rim Rock, you're perched over Joseph Canyon, um, which you just can't really describe. We have so much varying topography. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to ride my bike up to Wallowa Lake in the summer every Saturday a restaurant called Valley's, which actually um, serves sort of Hungarian cuisine. They do one menu every night, but on Saturdays they have donut day and they make homemade donuts. And it's definitely worth the six mile ride around Willow Lake. And then another summer favorite is to ride the tram mm -hmm. um, all the way up to you're over 8,000 feet and you're basically perched on the edge of the Wallawa Mountains, looking into the heart of the wilderness, and you can enjoy a terminal gravity brew up at the top there. So those are sort of my summer culinary treasures. Um, otherwise, you know, we have a few real high points in Joseph, two new recent places. You may have heard of Arrowhead Chocolates. I was just going to ask you, I, I forgot the name of uh, the chocolatier there, but that that is a fantastic little place, and they do breakfast on the weekends. Am I? They are. They're serving. They're serving waffles, and they have a fantastic biscuit sandwich. And even they're doing a grain salad. So they're, you know, they're getting drawn, pulled into offering more food because people just love to go there for coffee and their chocolates. I it's want to call them out. They want a good food award for their huckleberry truffle, and they're doing amazing things with their chocolate. You can watch them. Um, they have their tempering machine right on the floor. You watch the enrobing machine make their chocolates before your eyes. And they are offering more good food down the street. It's Red Horse Coffee Roasters. They're roasting coffee, serving it in-house. And their menu is fantastic. Soup, salad, sandwiches. I'm addicted to the quinoa wrap. You can get it as a bowl. Um, they have, you know, really, so we're starting to, after 13 years here, you know, I'm in the past three to five, we're really starting to emerge and have some excellent places to go eat. And again, you get the view and you get the deck and you get the elevation. So, well, I was going to say at, at, at the Rimrock where last year, uh, Lindsay and Mike Flood, some of my favorite new people that I met in 2013, um, uh, they serve a an incredible dinner time experience over overlooking the canyon, and at nighttime in the summer with the sun going down, it's really nice. But um, just to tie it all together, you stay at the uh, 
Chief Joseph Sweet at the Rimrock, they'll have Arrowhead Huckleberry Chocolate Truffles, uh, Huckleberry Truffles there for you before you go to bed. So uh, I had those, and then the next day I had to run down to um, to Joseph to grab a few more. <laughs> that's that's excellent. You know, and part of it is so it's the scenery, it's the food and the people you meet. You mentioned, I mean, you're always going to meet a character if you stop at Terminal Gravity. You often can get invited over to someone's house for a party. It's just very much that community atmosphere. And then it's combined with the history. So when you were sitting, having your dinner over Chief Joseph Canyon, and that's the canyon where, you know, Chief Joseph was born. And, you know, you're just kind of, there's a lot of living history, which for me is really significant. And I enjoy that quite a bit, knowing things happened you know, before you see artifacts along the roadway, whether it's a, you know, broken down combine or a plow or a, a shed, mm-hmm. you know, an old cabin that looks like it's going to lean a little bit too far. It's just really present. You know, that's the fastest 35 mile drive or the shortest 35 mile drive I've ever <laughs> taken in my life was to go back and forth because I didn't mind it at all. It was always just, you know, windows open and, um, you know, there are Lots of things to see on the way, lots of picturesque. By the way, you only saw one of the two or three blogs that I have. So I have some other pictures that I took because you just can't help but stop and, and take shots. So one of the, um, one of the uh, central, I, I should say, one of the most food-centric places uh, out in your region is Carmen Ranch because they have a lot to do with Grass-fed beef and, you know, a lot of uh, restaurants procure their grass-fed beef from there. I just mm-hmm. bought a um, uh, some tickets to the Plate and Pitchfork dinner that uh, they're doing, Erica's doing out at uh, Carmen Ranch. I think it's July 12th. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a really cool spot. And, you know, a lot of your career or a lot of your writing has certainly... Um, has has had to do with grass-fed beef. Uh, how did you find an interest in that as a vegetarian? Really, it's very place-based. I moved here from Seattle in 2001. I was not a meat eater, and I was surrounded by, you know, 22,000 cows. And, you know, when you come to a place like this where you're landlocked as a locavore and you're searching for what local food products you can get, it, it didn't take too long before game and grass-fed beef, you know, kind of came into my life and certainly have gotten to know quite a few ranchers around here. So Corey is exemplary in what she's doing at Carmen Ranch and her grass-fed beef program. She's been a pioneer, a real leader in the community. And then there are many others who are direct selling their beef, raising their animals on grass their whole lives and, you know, making a, a terrific product. So I'm just fascinated by that whole cycle of production, animal husbandry, the love, labor of love that's involved in raising anything, of course, to eat. But it, raising livestock is, is very particular and has so many aspects that are both challenging to deal with and fascinating. And I just really admire everyone who does it. I do too. And I was going to ask you, so you moved down there. What occurred in your childhood um, that, well, no, I'm just curious. Because, well, no, you moved down there and you, you fell in love with the region and, you know, food, obviously, you're a great food writer. 
what happened uh, in your childhood to cause you to find that to be a passion in your later life? That's a, such a good question that no one's ever asked me before. Um, principally, I grew up on Cape Cod eating from the sea, you know, clam digging and blue fishing. And, you know, so I think that love of food and getting enjoyment out of procuring my own food definitely came early. My most formative experience was moving from New York City, where I was living and working in uh, at a fashion magazine, and I moved to Lummi Island for the summer. And that was really where I went in, hit deep into, you know, eating locally. We had a sockeye salmon run, literally um, a few strokes off the shore um, that local reef net salmon uh, fishermen were catching. And I was harvesting, you know, blackberries. I made my first loaf of homemade bread. And that was a long time ago now. And that just certainly informed who I was as a young adult and as a cook and what I what I love to eat a crab you know caught right off the shores of my beachfront cabin that's just something that is transformative and so I really honestly I have to tell you my husband and I moved here so he grew up on a wheat farm out by the rim rock and actually his family owned that inn before it was the rim rock um we moved here to backcountry ski. I moved here because I loved this mountain range and I live in Joseph because I'm pretty much 20 minutes from wilderness and backcountry skiing and summer hiking. Then the food um, discoveries really emerged again as I lived here full time and I wanted to eat in that same way I did growing up on the Cape on Lummi Island and sort of recreating as much as I could that experience. Well, you're far from the coast there, so... You really had no choice other than livestock, I suppose, and vegetables and produce. Yeah, but- certainly. You know, my diet's still really produce heavy. I, we have a lot of great growers. We have this amazing distinction and elevation. I mean, all the way down into the Grand Ron and the Amnaha Canyons, which are so fun to go to. When it's cold up here, you can go and be warm down in the canyons. So we have lots of fruit and nut growing down there and then you know the hardy growers up in the valley they uh they have a short growing season but they managed to eke out quite a bit of produce so you know that's certainly the basis of i think a great locavore diet supplemented with some sustainably raised local meats so what do you have planned for lost teen tavern as far as a, a menu uh what are you going to do differently than was done before um what are you going to feature we're going to feature these ranchers and these growers were it's really going to be a very casual so when we say farm to table i think that's come to connote that it's going to be gourmet or high-end and knowing the people who live here and really want to both serve and represent this place being very casual one of my favorite um, aspects of the menu is we're going to have skillet dinners so whether it's a beef or chicken pot pie or frittata or a, you know a pepper steak it's going to be served in a cast iron skillet um, we're going to feature really great sandwich menu because there's no deli here and one of the things i've you know noted in sort of my 13 years of market research 
is that we we need a great deli. So we're going to make our own corned beef and pastrami, and we're going to brine and pickle and smoke. I um, have a line on some um, salmon that I'm ideally going to be able to get from a, a Nez Perce fisherman who is going to get a commercial fishing boat for the season, and we'll be serving up, you know, salmon bakes and smoked salmon in our deli. Um, Again, great salads from all the local growers. I'm working with, gosh, at least, um, you know, eight different purveyors. I have uh, Stangle's Buffalo Ranch is going to provide some beef for a a bison chili we want to serve. And they're bending over backwards to try to get us the product because, you know, their their product's quite in demand. So it's amazing working with local people who already have a great market for the products they're producing, but we're going to actually offer a a great place to showcase them for both locals and travelers. Is it going to be a challenge for you in the wintertime? I know, uh, as I said, I haven't been there in the winter, and there's probably a reason it's a little intimidating for me. (laughs) It's been getting milder, Chris, unfortunately. the snow hasn't been as good in these past couple of years, but I That's, always hold out hope for a great Coming from the season. mouth of a true skier when you're saying the sm- it hasn't been as good for the past couple of years. Yeah, winters are fantastic. But, you know, as you know, really, the the when animals are raised on grass, there's a, they're connected to the grass cycle and the grasses go away in the fall. And so freezing meat has always been a part of that natural cycle. So we will rely on frozen product. And I know that it's been this um, sort of black mark or, you know, a negative to say, oh, our meat is fresh versus frozen. And when you live so far away from sort of the distribution centers in, in some fashion, you just, it's better to get a filet flash frozen on the boat than delivered so-called fresh and that can be true with fruit as much as beef or fish. So we'll be doing as much preserving as we possibly can. But then again, you know, no one these days can be absolutely purist and we're, we can't be 100% local, especially not in the winter. So we'll re- rely on a network of purveyors that can supply us with the product we need to enhance, you know, what we'll be able to put by ourselves. Super. So you're... Right now in the funding stage of the restaurant still, even on the heels of it opening, and I noticed you're using ChangeFunder, which is a, um, a site I haven't seen. I've certainly heard of Kickstarter and Indiegogo. What's the advantage of that, and how's that going? It's going great. We have three days, well, as of today, you know, three days left and raised uh, over $26,000. So for a little tavern in the middle of nowhere, I'm really ecstatic about that. The significant thing about ChangeFunder, actually, we were the first project to launch on this brand new platform. And there are a couple of things significant about ChangeFunder. First of all, it's place-based. So you need to be a business or organization located in Washington and Oregon in order to even be vetted to appear, you know, to be on their site, to have a project. And that's really the idea behind that is that we um, believe in local investing. So keeping money in the local economy grows the local economy. Um, That's an important part of our mission. Another thing is that you keep every, you know, all the money you raise. So it's not a a make or break deal like Kickstarter. It's more like the indie Indiegogo model. Right. Well, I'm glad it's going well. Do you see that um, you might be carrying the torch for kind of a, a food renaissance in that area so that 
uh, people will be thinking of it. We talked a little bit before about some of your favorite places, but uh, people will be thinking of it as a uh, as a destination to go and eat as opposed to see and drink. I've always felt that Wallowa County could support a destination restaurant. And of course, the challenge is, is that we don't have a supply chain. We are, as you said, five to six hours from Portland, the main distribution center. We're four hours from Boise, Idaho. So we have a, a challenge in terms of getting product. I'm still trying to figure out how I can get Carmen Ranch beef that's processed in Portland to the Lost Dean Tavern. I'm trying to figure out how I get some other product, um, cheeses, some other things I can't get locally. How I'm going to get it here, I don't know yet. Um, I'm working on a couple of delivery mechanisms, but we really have to kind of build that. So that was the big reason why my business partners and I started the Lost Dean Tavern. We, you know, we created Slow Food here, you know, four years ago, and I really see this emergent food, local food economy, but we kind of want to see if we can jumpstart it a little bit. And it's definitely challenging. It's not going to be perfect. And we're going to have to source alternatively, you know, some larger distributors, some, some of our products, sort of like everyone does. I mean, that's just the reality of it. But I feel like the Lost Teen Tavern, it's in the center of the Wallowa Valley. Highway 82 goes by. So I really think it can be a landmark place that both represents, you know, the local food that's already produced here and what the potential is. So if it becomes a destination, obviously um, lodging is going to be an issue. Where are some places you might recommend that people look into just about availability and where they might want to stay when they visit? Yeah, absolutely. A couple of things are really emergent here. Um, You know, so part of it is our infrastructure is still developed, but we have a lot of wonderful bed and breakfasts. You can go online and seek out bed and breakfasts. There's some Airbnb opportunities, including at Six Ranch. You can stay right at the ranch and that's available. Uh, My friend Liza Jane McAllister's house, which is totally cool because they have a riding arena and horses and you can see their Coriante cattle herd right outside the door. So um, those are the major. And of course, we have actually a locally owned hotel on a major promontory in Enterprise. You have an incredible view into the Wallawas. Um, There are other smaller hotels in Joseph, um, the Indian Lodge Motel. There's the East Street Cottages, which are these nice little convenience, really well-appointed rooms. Wallawa has a hotel. Um, And again, another up and coming thing in Lostine is that some friends of ours, a local artist named Steve Arment, he and his partner just bought an, a big old house and they're hoping to create some uh, bed and breath, breakfast type of, you know, ranch style agritourism lodging. Um, it's about a mile from the tavern in a beautiful location. So, you know, more is happening as more happens. And there are fun places to discover. And you, as you, you know, staying in a teepee, how cool is that? The owners of Arrowhead Chocolate have Arrowhead Ranch. You can rent a cabin right on their property, and they have Highland cattle and a greenhouse, and you can go get your own eggs from the chicken coop. So lots of fun discoveries. Well, I really enjoyed Barking Mad when I was there, too. So there's Rimrock and Barking Mad. They're a little bit of a drive from Lostine uh, to there. But I had uh, you know, dog-friendly place. There was uh, my, my dog Oakley could run around anywhere on that farm and uh yeah fantastic I'm glad you breakfast. mentioned barking mad 
They have new owners. And I saw um, that, and I was going to ask you about that. So uh, completely new owners. They're not just innkeepers. They're not innkeepers. They bought the the Barking Mad from Hunter and Diana, who right. moved over to the west side, and they're fabulous, um, fabulous people. He is affiliated with Oregon Wild, and they want to keep the whole, you know, pet-friendly, um, you're right at the base of the mountains, um, you know, comfortable place. I ran into you at Lardo once. It's actually, I didn't get a real chance to meet you there, but I we did a quick introduction, and a picture that's actually on our right at the fork uh, website uh, with you and Rick. Uh, how lucky am I, huh? You, well, how lucky are we? Um, but um, <laughs> so, what are some of your? Well, first of all, I would imagine you know the beautiful thing about this Portland food community is they're going to support what you're doing and get the word out there for you. Um, I know you have a lot of friends here, but so what are your some of your favorite places to visit? When you come into town, I know I read on your blog you were talking about Dick's Kitchen and their delicious grass-fed burger. Um, some of the other places, perhaps. Oh, that's such a challenging question because it's like, you know, the kid in the candy store. When I come out of the woods and I go to Portland, I'm, I'm just is there any, is there anything Is there anything on your so, mind I mean, so as a destination yeah. that you think, okay, I'm going to Portland? Like, for instance... I'm going, uh, you know, whenever I go back to Connecticut, I have modern pizza on the mind and I have Lenny and Joe's lobster rolls that I have to do just every time and some steamers at the chowder pot. When you come to Portland, are there any specific restaurants that you just must hit while you have the opportunity? Well, I love Grasa and Lardo. I love Bunk. You know, part of me is like I'm always doing research, right, for my own for my own places. I I love Davenport. I often stay in Southeast, and so I'm I'm frequenting restaurants around there. Um, uh, let's see. I just recently went to is it um, I'm forgetting the Indian place right near Tails and Trotters. Um, uh, I'm stumped on the name. I'm stumped. I didn't too. refresh my memory. The um, 24th and meatballs. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, Tales and Trotters, you know, I'm mentioning all the all the meat centric places, but I'm, you know, just really admiring about I love old salt marketplace. Those guys have been really helpful in, you know, kind of role models, I call them in in determining sort of the style of food we want to do and reintroducing American deli classics and so are you gonna do some, are you gonna do some retail from there as well, like Old Salt does? We are, yes. We're actually um, have one part of the dining space has a big farm table, you know, uh, group seating, and we'll have sort of market in there. So we'll be selling some products that we produce. We'll be selling some other um, local products that people are making. There's a woman making these Be Good bars that are sort of a um, you know a trail bar, a sports bar that are made really healthy and made with, you know, local honey and they're really delicious. So as much as we possibly can, again, that will be developing over time. We'll open with a few things and we hope to attract more people who are making great products, um, value-added products out of local ingredients. We'll highlight those. Fantastic. So where do we find uh, Lostine Tavern and all the wonderful social media, your website? Tell us, give us those locations. 
You know, honestly, right now I've been tweeting on my own at Rural Eating and we have a website under development as soon as the crowdfunding project um, goes away. It's lostine-tavern.com. So the most uh, significant social media is we have a really engaged uh, Facebook fan base, a group of friends who are following. We're posting lots of pictures about the remodel and updating people and asking what kind of sandwiches they love and uh, um, it's been a really great way to feel in touch with the community as we as we build this, this and place. Physically speaking, for those who want to venture there from anywhere, but probably most likely Portland, uh, you'd take 84, and then how would you get to Lustine Tavern? So in Legrand, you would um, get off I-84 and head on I-82 or Highway 82 to Willow Lake. And it's uh, an hour from Legrand to the Lostine Tavern, and then another 20 minutes to stunning Willow Lake. Well, the whole drive is fantastic once you get off of 84, because you have that that beautiful right out to Pendleton, then it, you come go up the hill, and then uh, 82 is just one of the prettiest drives you can take in Oregon. So take it advantage is. of it, visit Lostine Tavern, and um, and have some delicious locally raised food and uh, and meet Lynn. <laughs> thanks, Chris. All right. Well, thanks and so much. And cocktails. And cocktails, too. <laughs> Always the cocktails. So uh, especially after a, a nice long drive, it'd be nice to have a cocktail and enjoy the sunset out there. So thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Chris. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. So we didn't talk much about Lynn's cookbook, Pure Beef, but um, it's a fabulous cookbook. And it inspired me to start uh, really taking a look at where my beef comes from. Um, you know, as a, as a devoted Costco shopper, it just kind of made me pause and go, you know what, I, I can do better than this. And, and it's a shame to not at least make an effort living where there goes live. Costco as a potential sponsor. <laughs> well, sorry, Costco. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but Carmen Ranch, hey, give us a call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, I started ordering through them. And uh, God, what wonderful product. And now it's nice to have a, a book to refer to because you kind of want to be sensitive about about using that meat in the right way because it's, it's not, it doesn't quite translate over. You have to kind of... Um, Cook it's, it in, you it's know. not as fatty, so it's... Right, right. And so Lynn does a really nice job of going through all the cuts and preparations. It's organized by cuts of meat, which I love because so often now I'm getting various cuts and I'm looking at it going, oh my God, I've never worked with this cut of meat before. What do I do? I can just go to that chapter in her book. So it is really um, been very, very helpful. And I, having someone who wrote a book like that open a restaurant pretty special thing to be able to you know her recipes i'm sure are going to be on display and she knows what she's doing um what a wealth of knowledge she is about that area and the whole like area a, yeah, yeah yeah no it's it's definitely on my list to go uh plan a road trip and go out there stay in a teepee that sounds awesome yeah well it's fun the chief joseph suite i would highly recommend for for the two of <laughs> you anyway but, the best. but you're not gonna <laughs> yeah no it's 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 really nice and it's a a nice. I think everyone has to go up to the Rim Rock at some point. But again, my only experience, other experience, was Barking Mad. I loved it. Um, glad, interesting to hear they have new owners because I really enjoyed 
hanging out with Hunter in the morning. But um, uh, the other thing that that you can do out there is obviously there no. Everybody tells you to go to Terminal Gravity. Uh, the brewer. It's a it's a brewing company. Yeah, it's a brewing company. There's yeah. also Mutiny. There are a bunch of them out there, and the Eastern Oregon area is getting is becoming very well known for beer. And uh, so that's if you're into beer, that's another reason to go out there, do the research, uh, probably check in with Lynn's blog, probably even contact her if you want some information. Um, but Terminal Gravity and Mutiny, and I'm sure they'll tell you where else to go when you go out there. Well, we want to just remind everybody uh, listening that. We are on iTunes, we are on Stitcher, we are on SoundCloud, and so you can follow us and all of our latest shenanigans um, and all the shows on there, or we're on Facebook at Right at the Fork, and also on Twitter at Food Podcast PDX. So, and, and use that share button yeah. and, and the rate button, whatever it might be, the uh, uh, and help us out if you can. We appreciate it. Yeah, and suggest guests also. We want to hear from you guys and know what, and, and hear what you think. And thanks for listening.